Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. What if I said to you today, when you die, why will you go to heaven? If you ask that question in our world, the most common answer is this. I'll go to heaven because I'm good enough. Well, let me ask you a question. Where did you get that belief? By the way, didn't come from here. Where did you get the belief that when you die, if you're good enough, you go to heaven? Didn't come from the Bible. Lots of people, it seems, believe that they qualify to get into heaven. Just ask them. When you ask them their basis for this belief, you'll generally hear because they're a good person. The problem with that thinking is that they've assumed that they get to set the standard for entrance. God, however, isn't playing that game. He's declared that perfection in word, thought, and deed for one's entire existence is the standard. We all know we missed that mark, so we're in a pickle. Thank God that Jesus was willing to come and offer himself as a substitutionary sacrifice for us so that we could have a chance to get into heaven. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in Philippians chapter 2 with part 2 of today's message, Live the Bible and Share the Word of Life. If you have a Bible with you this morning, I want you to hold it up right now. Just hold up the Bible. Now, those of you who don't have a Bible, you stand. I'm going to laugh at you right now. No, I'll be graceful. Do you remember why I said, here's your Bible. Hold it up again. Look, look around you. Is that a good picture? That's a great picture. Okay, thank you. It's beautiful. By the way, you know you could do that in a lot of churches? You might see a couple. You're doing good, guys. Now, let me ask you a question. Since that Bible is the plumb line for my life, let's give you a couple of illustrations. What if I don't use the plumb line until the wall is basically almost finished? Would that make any sense? Some of you live in a house, and you've done this. We've done this. You had a house built. It had carpet in it. We did this at home. And we've taken the carpet out of basically all of our rooms. Either we put tile or we put this new amazing wood in. We have a guy in the church that loves to do tile and other people. And he came over. What does a guy that laid tile discover about the squareness of most of our rooms? You already know, don't you? At the end, he's got to do what? Why? You know, the, 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 the outside started like this. And all of a sudden, when he gets near the wall, it's about like... <laughs> what happened? It wasn't square. Nobody checked it as it was going along. So it's no good in our life if we just kind of every once in a while go, well, let's see how I'm doing. No, it needs to be repeatedly in front of us so we can see how we're doing. Now, let me ask you another question. 
What if the plumb line is used, but it's simply far away from the wall? Is it any good? What if this is the wall here, and this is the plumb line, and I go, eh, it looks pretty good. What's that an illustration of? This is the illustration. For some of you, the Bible is far away from your everyday life. At best, the Bible. When you leave this place, it's thrown in the backseat of your car. And there it remains till next week. Oop, get my Bible. Bomber always complains about it's not bringing my car. Am I right? Tell me, say, oh no, Pastor Mark. Bible's always with me. And you're the ones that have this family Bible that weighs 74 pounds. And it sits right in here. Because if I ever visit you, there's my Bible. There's my Bible. Praise God. See, what good is that? It's useless. Because it's not in contact with you. It's not a part of you. It's something that's on the periphery of your life. Paul said, hold fast. Trust it. Believe it. Put it in your heart. And live by it. God said the very same thing. He's not against mezuzahs. But notice what God said in Deuteronomy 6. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. David said, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against God. You see, for some of you, and I'm saying this very kindly, the Bible is a religious deal to you. You're going to bring a Bible or you're going to ask for a Bible, but it's not a part of your life. Well, how can you ever walk straight if the Bible is not living in you? It is a living Bible. It is words on pages. But Hebrews chapter 4 says it is alive. So one of the spiritual foundations of success is reading, studying, and living the Bible. Everything you and I need to know about God, about life, is found in the Bible. And yet many never take the time to ever even read it or study it. And spiritually, you're starving yourself. And you're not growing, you're not maturing, and you're not a shining light in the world. In fact, all of a sudden, many of us become just like the world. Well, how do we change that? Paul says, hold fast to it. Make it a part of your life. I want to show you a way to change that in your life. To take this plumb line and have it close to you. And be a part of you and learn to grow together. I was listening to Chuck Swindoll recently, and I loved it. He was in some kind of a convention or meeting, and there was lots of unbelievers there. We like to have unbelievers. If you're an unbeliever, welcome. We like to have brand new Christians. We love it. And in there, he started out explaining the Bible to people. And he said to this, turn to John 3, boom, 16. And then he says, for those of you who don't know what that means, John is the book of the Bible, 3 is the chapter, and 16 is the verse. And some people snickered. At the end of the conference, a man walked up. PhD. No kidding. PhD. Brilliant. And he said this, thank you so much. 
I wondered all my life. I saw these, John 3, 6, what is that? What are you talking about? He didn't know, a book of the Bible, he didn't know 3 was the chapter. He didn't know 16 was the verse. Now, that's sad, but that's great. I just want to say to you, when I tell you something this morning, don't laugh at unbelievers. Don't make fun of people that don't know anything. How many of you were here at one time, didn't know nothing about the Bible? Let me see your hand. The rest of you are lying through your teeth right now. So we're here to explain what the Word of God is. Amen? We're here to explain. So how do I make it part of me? How do I be? There's no foolish questions. Ask away. We love you being here. On our website, if you go to the right-hand side of it, you'll see this little column, New to CCM, Recent News. Boom! Today's devotional. If you click on today's devotional, it opens up with three more things. Number one, how to journal. A journaling form that you can use, just a little journaling form that you can take 10, 15 minutes a day and write some things on. Second, it'll give you today's devotional. Six days a week, there's a devotional. Our writers, we have 30 or 40 people in our bodies that write a devotional. And what they're doing is they're taking my notes, which are all here. They're taking my notes. They got it yesterday. And they're developing six little 15-minute devotionals that you can read and apply to your life. They're giving you some scriptures to look up, relate to, that this relates to this, and this relates to this. And then you can just take time, pray, read it, and take that plumb line and start making it part of your life. Now, if you do that on a routine basis, you'll change your life forever. It changes my life. The prophecy that we gave not long ago about the children's building, that came from one morning where God spoke to me in my devotional. See, God wants to speak to you. He's provided you everything you need, but we don't spend any time with him. And then you can look at past devotionals, other weeks if you want. Now, this isn't the only way to do it. Chuck Swindoll has a devotional, David Jeremiah, Charles Stanley, there's a million of them out there. But get something, go to the website and start changing. If nothing changes... And you won't allow God to do what he wants to do in your life. Now, turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Quickly, 2 Timothy chapter 3. New Testament, you're familiar with this one. These two verses, verses 16 and 17, chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, these two verses remind us why the Bible is our standard of living. What if I said to you today, When you die, why will you go to heaven? If you ask that question in our world, the most common answer is this. I'll go to heaven because I'm good enough. Well, let me ask you a question. Where did you get that belief? By the way, it didn't come from here. Where did you get the belief that when you die, if you're good enough, you go to heaven? didn't come from the Bible. And then we can ask you a million other questions. How should you be married? Should you marry a believer or an unbeliever? Well, who cares? You shouldn't have sex before marriage. That's ridiculous. Well, who said you could? Well, I want to. Hello. you telling me I shouldn't? So if you're living life without this, now listen to me closely. Everything you're doing, you're speculating about it. When you die, where do you think you'll go? Um... Probably going to the ground, and I'm coming back again, give it another shot. Reincarnation. 
You know, 70 years ago, if you mentioned reincarnation in the United States, people would laugh you to death. Because that was an Eastern deal. By the way, reincarnation is not in the Bible. Well, Pastor Mike, if I die, the old worms get me. I'm fertilizer and that's it. Where'd you get that idea? Where'd you get your truth that you're living by? Here? No. Somebody put that idea in your mind. By the way, the person that put it in your mind, his name is Satan. He's a liar and there's no truth in him. So if I don't go by the word of God, then I speculate about everything in my life. So God says, I don't want people speculating for sure about eternal things. So I'm going to give them my mind. I'm going to give them revelation. Do you got it? The Bible is God's mind to us. It's his revelation. It's not what I think is right. It's what God knows is right. He's the creator. So what you have in front of you, these verses, tell us the difference between speculating how things are going to be. Now you can speculate all you want today about the football games, what's going to happen to Miami. I'm sure they're going to just kill the... Yeah, right. Okay? And we just speculate whatever you like. Some of you are so happy this morning because Bama lost, and you're just excited. God, them proud people. And Florida State lost, and you're dead, and you're speculating who's going to be in whatever. No, Bible says you don't want to speculate, so let's read these verses. Verse 16. All Scripture, all Old Testament, New Testament... Is God breathed? Came directly from God through men. And is it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training, and righteousness. For what reason? So that the man of God, the woman of God, may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So in other words, we would be mature. We would be different. We would be lights in a dark world. And people would find God through our lives. So we have the Bible, God's mind is revelation. Now remember, without God's word in my life, I'm scolios. I'm crooked morally. Look at this, morally. And I want to read to you like this. I want to read to you the New Living Translation. Listen to the wording in the New Living Translation, those verses. Now, all Scripture is inspired by God, and it's useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. The Word of God straightens us out. Oh, I love it. You see, if you and I will get into this, my natural tendency is to be like this. I selfish. I boss. You remember that. I want to do life my way. So do you. But when I'm like that and I get in the Word of God, the Word of God, if I read it and believe it and go by it, it straightens me out. That's powerful. That's a transformed life. I want to give you this morning, I want you to write it down, all four of our campuses, four purposes for God's Word. We're going to do this very quickly. Four purposes for God's Word. Number one, teaching. Comes from the verse, 16 and 17, teaching. In other words, doctrine, what is right. We learn, as you open the Bible, you don't have to speculate about this. We learn about God, man, sin, salvation, family, life, death, heaven, hell, and future events. Everything we need to know about doing life here and what happens when we die, we learn from the Word of God. It's teaching. That's what we do here. We teach. We teach. So that you don't have to speculate about all these things. Number two, 
reproof. Stop doing that. Reproof is something that you and I do with our kids. In order to convict of bad behavior, we say to somebody, cut it out. When you do that with your children, if you do that with your children, you'll have healthy children. If you, with your children, never reprove them, there's danger coming with your kids. So the Bible exposes things. The Word of God exposes my sin. Now do you know why Satan doesn't want you in the Word of God? Because of that. So as I'm there, the Scripture exposes and goes, Balmer, Ganguzo. All day yesterday, you were full with Ganguzo. Okay, God, you're right. Straighten me out. Anybody need that from time to time? Like every day. Yes, we do. But the Bible doesn't leave us there. Look at the third one. Correction. Start doing this. You see, if you're a wise parent, you have to teach, tell your kids what's right. You have to say to them sometimes, stop doing that. But then what you want to do is this correction means start doing this. You want to put your arms around them and say, here's the right way to do this. Let me share with you something important. You might have come from a background of a church that's a little bit legalistic, and everything is always wrong. Don't, 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 don't. And there's not a lot of grace. If you understand in the Word of God, this loving correction has to do with a word called restore. God's goal of correction is always restoration. If you're a healthy parent... Your goal of correcting your kids, reproving them, should always be what? Loving restoration. Come on. I don't like what you did, but you're my son. You're my daughter. I love you. In the Bible, we see Peter as a perfect example of this. Peter said to Jesus before he went to the cross, Nobody, everybody else is going to deny you. I won't deny you. And Jesus looked at Peter and said, Pete, before the rooster crows, one time. You'll deny me three times. He said, oh, yeah, that's ridiculous. While Jesus is being questioned, spit on, beaten, Peter outside is saying three times to people, never knew the guy, never around the guy, I have no idea who you're talking about. Yeah, Pete had spent three years with Jesus. Now, was that the end of Pete? No, it was not. About 60 miles north of there, Sea of Galilee. One day after Jesus was resurrected, he went right back to that place where Peter was fishing. Peter saw and he came running to the shore. And Jesus restored Peter. He put him back and he said this, feed my sheep. Guys, we're into restoring people who have fallen by the wayside. That is an attitude this church has because that is an attitude of God's word. God is not against you this morning. He is for you. But the world doesn't believe it. God is a God of love. And number four, training. See, salvation is not an event. It's a lifestyle. So God gave us his word how to stay right. That's what you're doing this morning. That's what I'm doing this morning. How to live right. How to do life. 
encouraging, building each other up so that we would live godly lives. So bottom line is this. The Bible must be read, believed, and practiced on a routine basis, day by day in my life. The Bible must be read, believed, and practiced on a routine basis in my life, and then it becomes the final authority of everything that I do. You don't want to live and say, why are you doing that? Well, I want to do that, but the Word says it. I don't care what the Word says. No, you're in deep trouble. How would I know what the Word says? You have to be in it. That's why we spend this time right here in church. Every day, any pastor who's in this pulpit are doing these four things. Teaching, reproof, correction, training. That's our goal. That's our privilege. By the way, when I'm studying all week, what do you think happens to me? All of those things are right in my face. So I can't teach you something I'm not practicing. So I'm working those exact things out. So the first thing we see today, understand this, hold fast, believe God's word, and live by it. Now, let's go back, if you will, to Philippians. And let me give you the second one. Write it down this morning. The second meaning of hold in that verse 16 is this. Hold out. Hold out. Not just hold fast. But this is a giving away in the Greek language. These are the two meanings. This is a giving away, or in other words, offering the good news to others. Offering the good news to others. Now, I want you to take your Bible. Everybody just take your Bible, if you will. Okay? I want you to offer it to your neighbor right now. Just offer it to your neighbor. Just offer it to your neighbor. Now, you'll notice the Bible says, offer it. Don't force it on them. (laughs) Now, bring it back. Bring it back. And let me ask you a question. So tomorrow, when you go to work, you're going to walk into the office or the classroom. And you're going to sit down and and your coworker or another student's there. And you're going to go like this. The person can say, what are you doing? I'm offering you my Bible. That's what my pastor said to do. And they take one of my sedos to do it. I have no idea. He just said, offer it to you. (laughs) So is that what it means? No, that is not what it means. Understand it. You've heard this term before many times. The only Bible some people will ever read is you. The only Bible that probably 90% of our world at this moment is reading is you. So that's what it means. It doesn't mean physically giving them a Bible. They wouldn't know what to do with it. It means that I'm holding out my godly character, my actions, my positive attitude. If that's true, if people are watching me and I'm holding out that transformed life, let me ask you three questions. Number one, what is your neighbor reading? Number two, what are the students in your class reading? And number three, what are your co-workers reading? Are they reading godly character, godly action, and positive attitude? Today, Pastor Mark taught us about the necessity of allowing God to transform our lives from what they were to what He always intended them to be. We were warned about doing things our way, using the example of the Israelites when every man did what was right in their own eyes what a disaster that was for them individually as well as it was for their nation. You don't have to wait to hear another message from Lessons for Living. 
Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com to access our archive of messages on various topics and books of the Bible. Subscribe to our podcast as well to receive updated teachings as soon as they're made available. We're so glad you joined us today and we'd love to connect with you. Feel free to contact us with your questions and prayer requests at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Next time, we'll be closing out the message, Live the Bible and Share the Word of Life. Pastor Mark will be focusing on the importance of reading the Bible and allowing God to use it to transform our lives. He will describe the different things the Bible will do for us, how God will use it to make our lives shine as lights to freedom for the lost world around us. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living, and together, let's do life right. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.